In an environment of health disparities amplified by a national pandemic, racial injustice, Providence is committed to improving diversity, equity, and inclusion in our communities, workplaces, schools, and more. What happens now? How do we cope? What's the impact on our overall health and mental wellness? The Culture of Health will focus on what the future of healthcare looks like in today's changing culture. Together, we will discuss how we turn the conversation of culture and healthcare into lasting and meaningful action. So hi, everybody. I want to welcome you to this virtual town hall, and thank you for being here. I feel so honored to be your host. My name is Nina Chantel with iHeartRadio. Um, we are basically, I'm on Nationwide, San Francisco, um, Bay Area, Los Angeles, Chicago, and so forth. So I feel very honored to be with such a great talented panel um, of great people and versatility and we are here to have comfortable conversation and be able to relate to one another. So uh, I also want to thank Providence for, you know, bringing all these amazing voices together and also to thank you Dash Radio for giving a platform as well for um, being able to talk about BIPOC communities. And then for those of you who don't know, uh, exactly what that means. I feel like the way to introduce the panel is to start with Dr. Lauren of Providence. And Dr. Lauren, if you can please break down exactly what BIPOC is, and then please tell us about yourself and where you're located. I sure can. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me here. BIPOC, yeah. So BIPOC is a more new term um, being used I think in replace a lot of times for POC or people of color. Um, so including, so Black, Indigenous, people of color. And the whole idea of it is an effort to try not to lump all people of color into one um, group, understanding that all of us from different cultures um, who are non-white, we have that in common, but we have our own unique and individual identities um, as Black and Indigenous and people of color in that way. So BIPOC has become uh, a more typical term. Well, I like it. I, I think that it's definitely inclusive, especially today in this day and age, just as I notice on your name underneath Dr. Lauren Harper, she, her. So you just are exactly what you're with the times <laughs> here, Dr. Lauren, if I could say. I try to be. I try to be. I think that's and, the best way to go. <laughs> and you look fabulous. We were just complimenting the plant, the coordination with the little top. And yes. And you're a woman who is a psychologist. Am I saying that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a licensed psychologist um, here in the state of Oregon, work for Providence. I work in primary care behavioral health. Well, thank you for doing what you do. And as a fellow um, person of color, if, if we're going to be saying it that way now, uh -huh. um, I just have to say good for you, girl, because you're beautiful and you're doing it. A doctor, yeah, a PhD, God. I wish. Thank you. Know? you. All right, so let's move on um, and meet our panelists. I see, and by the way, I'm gonna call you Veronica because my sister's name is Veronica, but I call her Veron, but I'm not gonna do that to you. Veronica Pomee, am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are, yes, you are. And, and I'm not gonna lie, it's because you taught me how to do it a little while ago. <laughs> and why do we pronounce it that way, gorgeous? Um, because my background is I'm Tongan. I'm from the South Pacific island of Tonga, and so it's pronounced Pome'e in Tongan. See, see what I did there to get you to tell me exactly <laughs> how it's pronounced and where you're from? And tell people about yourself. Tell people about, you know, your great accomplishments because I'm impressed. Well, thank you. Um, well, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I am an, a model and an activist. Um, in 2019, I became the first Sports Illustrated Tongan model and i've just been continuing to inspire uh women like myself um who come from these very small uh parts of the world and often get overlooked and i'm trying to be a voice to the voiceless and so um, i'm really excited to be here i'm excited to uh hold space with you all and i really want to thank providence and dash um for holding space for us to be able to share our stories as well well said and welcome to the panel. Um, we've also got Kenny, who looks like he is in tropical paradise right now. Kenny, no, how you doing? Here. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Uh, we are good. <laughs> Tell us what exactly. We got to know the background on what's going on with your world and, and then a background. I mean, we've got Dr. Lauren looking like she's a doctor in her office. We've got <laughs> Veronica Pomee, like, look, I'm out here running things, so you got to catch me when you can. And now we've got <laughs> Kenny in Tropical Paradise, and we'd like to know your background of why you're there. 
When my background, I'm an ex-sheriff from New Orleans. I moved out here to be a cop. Uh, it got a little complicated, wind up being a bodyguard. Now I'm on a hit TV show called Storage Wars. And that show that gives me the opportunity to showcase just being me to get people to forget about their problems for 30 minutes because I try my best to bring laughter, you know? That's beautiful. And we and do I think need laughter, that. Yes, I think laughter is the best medicine and it's not, you know, talked about a lot, you know? True. That's interesting. So a police officer from New Orleans in the sheriff's office, you said, that yes, you were coming and then you were coming out here to do that. Please yeah. call me and I understand that you want to be polite and everything with the yes man, but please call me Nina. I am impressed. I have an ex, by the way, but we're not going to get into that. But he is uh, on a gun team in Chicago. Uh, so I, I understand the the difference of when you leave your department and go to a different state, it's new rules. You have to start from like the beginning. Nobody wants to go through the academy again. So I kind of get yeah. what you're talking about. And we also, by the way, your loved ones worry about you daily in that profession. So thank that's you. That's a lot of stress. You. Not just stress on you, it's stress on your family, you know? Absolutely. Well, welcome Kenny to the conversation. Thank and you. Um, Isabella, uh, beautiful Isabella, I was going to, I actually asked Isabella, should I ask, you know, should I call you Isabella of Perez, Perez, Mercado? So I would love for you to give us your background, Isabella, and exactly, um, you know, what you, what it is that you do, where you are now. Talk to us, girlfriend. Perfect, lovely. Well, my name is Isabella Mercado, and I'm from Eastside Vegas, born and raised, born and bred. But yeah, my name is Isabella Mercado. On the part-time, I work at an elementary school with first through fifth grade, tutoring them on the side, helping with ESL students. And when I'm not in school, I go back to my own schooling as I'm studying um, my psychology degree at CSN. And I'm finishing my first degree this year, one of four down. Congratulations. I'm not doing either schooling, I do modeling on the side. Oh, congratulations. Dr. Lauren, isn't that like what she's getting into, kind of what you do? It is. It is. That we need more and more. I hope you're going to be a psychologist. We need you. I hope you get want to get a PhD because we need you. Thank you. I've been dreaming of it since I was 16. So even oh, being a psychologist, it just, it warms my heart. Okay. I love it. Since you were 16, that looks like it was two years ago, sister. Let me be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> I've been 21 a couple months ago in April. Really? Well, hey, you're going to love, conti continue taking those compliments. Believe me, you're going to love that as time goes by. Let's start the conversation as we just welcomed everybody. Thank you so much. Um, Veronica, why don't we start with you? Was mental health something that you freely talked about growing up? Because I know there's like some stigma sometimes, you know? Yes. Uh, no. Cult culturally, that was just something that was uh, very non-existent. Um, I, you know, both of my parents are immigrants. So like coming here, they really didn't even have the space or the luxury to consider their mental health. Whereas, you know, they were more in survival mode. So like growing up, you know, that is kind of like you, they come in waves, right? You have those moments, you have your ups and your downs. And when that wave hits, you just gotta like push through it. And, you know, it's like a, it's like a silence. I understand completely what you mean. It's just something that our families were just kind of raised um, in our environment. Of, I, I'm, I'm Mexican, Italian, and Spaniard. So like my grandparents, uh, you know, my parents as well from, from Mexico. So I understand that there's a hustle kind of mentality. And also you yeah. just do what you got to do to survive. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of families that go through that. And so let me ask you, while you saw all of that going on, were there ever times in your life growing up that you felt that you could use somebody to talk to that you had maybe an issue where you felt this isn't, and, and we wanna normalize this conversation. So we don't want people to think when you ask the questions that you're weak, that right. nobody else can relate. You would really understand that people actually relate more than, than you would actually honestly know. So for you, right. did you ever feel like, I really want to talk to my parents or was there an outlet like a friend or somewhere that you would want to go did you even have an experience where you felt like mentally i need some i need to talk yes i i think i did i think that person for me was my older brother 
um he was like my outlet but at the same time like he it's he's a guy you know so mm -hmm. i also grew up around um i have five brothers so mm -hmm. and i'm the girl second, um i'm not the only girl but i'm the oldest girl and oh, then that I takes have, a lot of responsibility yes yes and then i have a baby sister so i am in between you know two boys ahead of me and then two boys under me so i just grew up with that tough love um and i i adjusted but i think as i got older i realized like wow i never had a big sister to show me the way so i didn't know how to be a big sister to my little sister and so often um the things that my brother did with me i couldn't do that with my little sister you know she was just raised in a different generation different mentality and um so you know i i'm learning still learning how to be continue to be an outlet for her in that way because i was raised very different because your culture um also you were saying with men it's like you can't really say a lot you know yeah also like if, yeah. if you had an issue where maybe maybe there was like a something maybe what like your appearance or you know you're not even really supposed to be dating but there was a breakup or something along of that line well could yeah. would you be able to talk to somebody about that no because in the tongan culture um so the tongan culture is a matriarch um we have a matriarchal society and so women mm -hmm. although we are placed as this like really high value much respect we are the custodians, we are the caretakers of the traditional knowledge and like family history. We're the ones that keep everyone together. So there's also a responsibility that comes with that. So there's such high value that you also have to carry yourself a, a certain way. There's a lot more pressure to be perfect, um, you know, to be able to kind of, um, you know, just be able to handle everything. So I feel like, although my brother was there, I like anything that I was going through, I definitely could not bring that to the forefront. At one point, you know, the boys and the girls are not allowed to be in the same room mm. together. Um, there are certain things that they can't do, like girls, like we're not allowed to lay down if our brothers or our cousins are in the room. Mm. Um, it's a very conservative culture. Um, it's ironic because I'm a sports illustrated swim swimsuit model, but in Tonga, it's illegal to wear a bikini <laughs> unless you're a tourist. I'm so, sorry, can know, I ask a question? Because I really want to know. <laughs> sure. Did you get in trouble? Like, uh, I got, were they proud of you? or, or were I you... didn't get, yeah, I didn't get the support in the beginning. My parents, my family members weren't supportive. They actually thought that it was like too far-fetched, right? Did it you get something... shunned or anything like that? Um, In the beginning, I did. You know, I also come from a very a Catholic, very religious background. So you throw the culture on there, you throw the religion on there. Now you throw that I'm a woman on there. It was like so many layers that I had to really break through to be my own person. And then to also encourage other women who come from the same indigenous, you know, who have, uh, who are rooted in, in their culture, which oftentimes really holds us back from really re reaching our highest potential, you know, and really coming into our power as, as women. Um, so yeah, I went through all of those things. <laughs> You're um, bold, it's girl, because you just scared me. Like my family, all of a sudden, you're not supposed to be wearing bikinis, and you're like, right here, Sports Illustrated, right I'm here. Well, congratulations. Are they like proud of you now? Did we get past? Yeah. It? Okay. Now, now it's different. You know, now I think the the women are are able to see themselves in a different light. They're able to come into their own and not be afraid of our our sensuality, which is something that we're born with that we can't turn on and off. And then also like really decolonizing, like the way that we view ourselves and how we show up for ourselves in society. You know, I'm always getting told from folks back home who are my mentors that I need to approach things. I need to not always approach things with the Western school of thought. Mm. So in the spaces that I create and, you know, and, and just like my platform in general, I'm always trying to really speak on those issues. And, um, you know, whatever is controversial, whatever's on the other side of the majority is where I'm at. <laughs> Let me ask you, Isabella, do you, um, with your background um, and from where you're from and you're a young lady, what actually is your, um, is your nationality? What's your background? 
So I relate to a lot of what, but that's what I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm first generation and a half American. My grandparents are from Jalisco and Zacatecas. My dad is from Efe. My mom is from Riverside and then she moved to Vegas. But yeah, being Mexican, as you know, our culture is very similar to that of what Veronica was describing, especially when it comes to being a woman, when you mix culture and religion and being the eldest daughter on top of that. It is a very rough mix on not only your mental health, but just growing up and having those different culture clashes, especially when you grow up in such a Western society. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, because you also said that you uh, are getting your degree and that you wanted to be just like Dr. Lauren, like a, psychi- a psychologist, correct? Yes, based off of what Veronica said, based off of what you know about your history, your father being um, from Jalisco or your family being from Zacatecas and DF, you know, all of that. My mom's from Durango. My dad's from Guanajuato. I get it, girl. Um, what I was going to say is knowing where Veronica's coming from, being a younger generation where things are more accepted these days, even this conversation that we're having, but going to school for being a psychologist like Dr. Lauren, what would you say based off of what Veronica just said, what would you be able to comment on her strength of how she came out and went against all things that were culturally appropriate for her and her background? I think one, I applaud you to the millionth degree because I was having this conversation just the other day with my mother that when you're either, if you're first generation or you're breaking out of those generational norms, just finding your own one, your sense of self to having that self-discovery time where you're able to see, okay, what do I want to do with my career, with my job, with my own studies? It is such a big thing to be able to not only succeed in finding out who you are as a person, Veronica, but being able to go to such amazing lengths to be the first Tongan woman to be in Sports Illustrated. I mean, that's impeccable. Mm-hmm. You're doing things women might have not even thought that could be in their opportunities of interest. Yes. Very well said, Isabella. Dr. Lauren, uh, how would she do in her profession based off of her response just there? And how do you see uh, anybody watching this conversation, this virtual town hall on BIPOC communities? How would you advise to move forward with being brave and having that mentality and strength? Yeah, for sure. Well, Isabella is going to be a wonderful psychologist, clearly. We already know that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you're totally on point with what you're saying. And I I think thinking about not only just your strength and your resilience, but but I think it's thinking about for us, it doesn't feel like strength per se, right? A lot of times it just feels like this is just what you have to do. Like if you're committed to what you want for yourself, but we're also very committed to our cultures and to our families. And so I think what was really important about what Veronica was saying was she was being very intentional and trying to move very precisely about, I want to define myself and have my own life, but I really do value very much my family and my culture. And I want to honor that. And I I want to keep that part of me. So that is the piece when we talk about strength is about balancing both of those worlds and bridging that gap. I heard you say that, that it wasn't the seamless process, but you're able to now bridge those worlds. So I think she's been doing that really beautifully. So for anybody who's watching us on this virtual hall right now, or town hall um, right now, would you advise to follow your heart with respect is kind of what you're saying to, to the culture as well, to their backgrounds? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, exactly. It's following your heart with knowing that part of, part of really what your family wants for you is to follow your heart, right? But they can only see as far as they can see and they only know what they know. They don't know what they don't know. So I think you have to be prepared for knowing that on some level, it's going to feel like you're dismissing parts of your culture or that you're dismissing parts of your family, but that your heart is in the right place. And as long as you keep this, um, you keep this space open where you're trying to bring your family into what you're doing. You're not just saying, well, this is just it. And then whatever, you know, no matter what y'all think it's no, this is where I'm going. This is where I want us to go as a culture this is where I want us to go as a family. Well, a lot to do with communication and how yeah. you express yourself. It's uh, there's a respectful fashion. Um, Absolutely. 
and and thank you, Dr. Lauren, for that. Kenny, I, I want to go to you because I know you grew up in in Southern um, Black American household in New Orleans, and mm -hmm. you know the culture in your background. Was there talk of mental health in your family? And in and, and yeah. I know that it, in that region, you know, it's also kind of frowned upon as well. I have friends from New Orleans. Um, can you talk mm -hmm. to us about that? Mental health was never discussed. Uh, I haven't even heard nothing about mental health. Everything was you have to be strong and deal with your problems on 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 site. You know, raised up. My dad he died at ten. My mama raised three boys by herself. I was oh the gosh. oldest, and she broke it down. She said, "Well, you the oldest, and I have to show discipline to the other two through you. So whatever you do." It's going to reflect them. So if I have to be disciplined to you, this is going to happen. So she broke that down. But for his mental health, you always need one person in your life to be right next to you. And that was my uncle. That's why I really got into the police department because he was in the police department. Mm. So me growing up, so she told me I was I had to be the man of the family, but you know that's a, being that's 10, a lot of responsibility yeah, at your age. At I'm 10. sorry, but uh, you know, also I just I commend you for sharing that with us. I'm really sorry for your loss, but like the fact is, is that you had to grow up so fast, and now boom, yeah. you're a role model, just but, like some of these artists out here and actors and you know people that say I am popular amongst the kids, but I'm not supposed to be your role model. You are actually the role yeah. model. But the I think the biggest thing with all of it, you really need one person, one person to talk to, one person, because that one person can give you insight on something you never even thought of to help you along, along the way. And I had that uncle. I ain't know nothing about football. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. So he was like that father figure. And I was going through a lot of stuff because the loss of my dad, and I had these two brothers that looked up to me and I ain't, I didn't even have a pad, you know? Mm. So I was going through it and then years later, my mom died. Oh my gosh, I'm so yeah, sorry. So then I went into depression and wanted oh. to kill myself and all that stuff. And my uncle was there for me, you know? But I honestly think that everybody should have at least one person they can really go and talk to. And you're going to run into all type of problems in life. But it, it, it takes that one person to show you that different side. And my uncle showed me. It's like he was a, a chameleon. There. He had all kind of personality where he'll like do a demonstration and, and break it down to me so where I can understand it, you know. Mm. And he the one helped me go through college and give me oh, a little degree in communication. And, yeah. So and right now me filming the show and everything you know i thank god for the gift he gave me is to put smiles on people's face but i had got a message through the youtube channel this guy said kenny i don't know you but for watching you on tv and i want to thank you because i go through mental health wow and i have these problems but i look forward to watching you every tuesday and that that made me like kind of cry because when you're growing up you know teachers be saying you ain't gonna be nothing but a class clown and all this stuff. Were you the class clown, changed. Kenny? She said I was. I don't believe <laughs> I got shit. I had straight A's. Your behavior, no, but yo, Kenny, it's funny because my mom used to go to parent-teacher conferences, and they used to say, you know, your daughter does really good with her schoolwork, and she knows does good on her tests, but she doesn't know when to shut the hell up. And guess what, <laughs> my mom. Thank God that this is what turned out to be because that's what I do for a living is run my mouth. But you know, it's those teachers that could have either discouraged you from feeling yeah. like you had a future or made mm -hmm. you think, you know what? I have the talent that if everybody says that about me, let me look into that, what I could do with that. And I'm gonna tell you the funniest thing. She contacted me on Facebook. No, she said, she um, I guess, too. yeah, I guess. Yeah, she said, I owe you an apology, huh? I said, you damn right, you. <laughs> she, she, she said, you know, I wouldn't have never thought you'd be the one on TV. And she said, do you have anything to tell me? I said, yeah. See all those kids you put on a pedestal? And you, you know, y'all believed in them and all that? 
Them kids ain't turned out to be nothing y'all thought they was. So you You're like, and I know judge. because I was the sheriff and I locked them up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them I did. <laughs> you did? I did. Oh, yeah, that, Lord. And I think that part there was stressed too because in the neighborhood, ain't nobody knew I worked for the sheriff department. Wow. Nobody. I had to, you know, change my little outfit and all that. But the guys that went to jail I went to school with, if you didn't help them, they're going to blab you out in the street. You know what I mean? So sometimes well, me, you have to- Let me ask you something about that, Kenny, if I may interrupt mm -hmm. you there. Knowing what you just said and where you're from and that you, your job was to serve and protect and you did have to lock up some of the people that you knew, mm -hmm. some of those people, they have issues too. You don't just get locked up and get in trouble when there's something about a person's background that we also don't know everybody's story. Yep. So that being said, do you feel that maybe you, I feel that you might be a slight angel on our earth as your uncle is in your life and you're able yeah, to pay it forward and share your story mm -hmm. and give funny, but with heart and with pure genuine care for other people. But you also see, see, saw the bad things being a yeah. sheriff with those people that you would lock up that you knew. Did you try to, because of your background, hear where they were coming from, try to help them kind of, as opposed to being like, you know the what people think are jerk cops yeah because everybody is not gifted with I mean giving good parents or good guidance or none of that you know correct so when they were going to jail what i would do like one of my friends live right around the corner mm. right around the corner so i'll go talk to his mama mm. you know to see if she can help him with a commissary or something if not i would put some money on it thing because Aww. Sometimes you would go down, you know, you got to have a good judgment of friends too. You can be that from one of your friends could go out there and do something and just, you know, and he do something bad and they, they say, yeah, it was two of them. But that friend won't even tell you he did something bad with somebody else. And next thing you know, he's telling you, hey, let's go for a ride. Mm. So guilty now by association. you get pulled over. Yeah, you're guilty. So you really have to. It's, it's hard down south because you got to deal with racism. You got to deal with finding out who you are as a person. Then you got to find out who your friends are as a person because you really ain't getting, majority of the time, you're not getting both parents' guidance. You know what I mean? And some parents working so hard. One parent could work hard and you might not even see your kid for like two days, you know? All of what but, you're saying is thank you for bringing that to light. Thank you for starting that conversation. Dr. Lauren, how would you be able to, well, please feel free to give Kenny any feedback, but also for anybody who can relate watching this virtual town hall, um, how would you say based off of the, uh, the story that Kenny was giving that's true about these households that you just don't know? I mean, the parents are, are working to try to provide for them and it's hard out here. The times are hard. So it's not that the parents try not to be a good parent, or I'm sorry, a bad parent. It's that they're trying to do the best that they can and they're not around. What exactly. can you add on to that, Dr. Lauren? Yeah, no, Kenny is absolutely right, right? That it, a lot of the things that he sees I'm, or you saw maybe at least at that time, like on the, on the grounds, on the streets, those are people I might see sometimes in my office, some voluntary, but a lot of times maybe involuntarily, right? And I think your point about everyone needs to have at least that one person is a really great takeaway. And whomever that person is to you that you feel most comfortable with. So, I mean, I, as a psychologist would be great, right? As great as that one person. But when you talk about access to services like that, especially in kind of maybe communities that you're talking about, Kenny, I mean, I'm from Georgia originally, I'm from Macon, Georgia, it's a small town in, uh, mm -hmm. in Georgia. So similar concept. The, these are folks that are going to see psychologists or going to see therapists, right? But it's about your teachers. It's about some of those family members, your uncles. It's it's the person that runs the store on the corner that you go to all the time. I mean, it's somebody who is invested enough and cares enough about your future and well-being. We all need to have at least one of those people. So I would encourage people that if you don't have somebody in your life that you can look up to or have some kind of mentor, and no matter what age you are, you do need somebody for that. Absolutely. Dr. Lauren, what is integrated behavioral health? 
Ooh, great question. <laughs> so I work in primary care. Uh, literally, like if you go to your doctor's office and you need to see a psychologist or a therapist for something, I'm literally there in the clinic. So Ooh. integrated behavioral health just literally means me as a behavioral health provider being integrated into your medical home um, and you having access to me and, and not having to go like find me out in the community if you wanted to see a therapist. So if somebody, um, for instance, God forbid, you know, I don't know, they're looking for help because they don't have that one. Yeah. Can they, how would they find you or where would they go and ask for this and how would they ask for it? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest thing really to do is, well, one, everybody should have a primary care doctor if they don't. So if you have health insurance, especially, um, having a primary care doctor is so important because you just never know what you need and when you need it. And it's easier to get access to services when you're already on the books. Um, and so somebody could just call their primary care doctor and say, I'm looking for a therapist. Can you help me find one? Can you give me a referral to one? And as simple as that, if they have an integrated behavioral health provider, they can connect you that way. A lot of times for other, maybe other uh, states or systems that don't have integrated behavioral health, your primary care doctor at least should be able to refer you somewhere for a, a therapist, maybe outside of that clinic. So seeing your doctor is a good place to start. Thank you for that. And these are all helpful things that I'm sure that, you know, what's hard guys is that I think that a lot of people feel uncomfortable asking, they feel embarrassed, they feel alone. Um, and that's what we want you to understand that you're not alone. We all come from different cultures, backgrounds, we're all different ages, um, all very much so have had a hard time growing up in, in one way or another. Isabella, if I can ask you, I know that, you know, like you're Mexican like I am, we have strict family rules just like Veronica does in her culture as well. Um, what is it that you can tell other young ladies if they feel like they want to go, say, on a first date and we're not allowed to talk to boys? How do you handle that and how do you do it respectfully without disrespecting your family but still want to communicate with your parents because I think communication is key with anyone, even if it is, as Kenny said, and Dr. Lauren said that you should have one person. How would you advise that? Because you're a young lady and it's different with somebody that's older. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just a different way of communicating. Yeah. So if you can give that advice. It most definitely is. And then especially, I mean, with my background, I, my mom had me when she was barely um, 20 years old, almost a year younger than what I am now. So I was raised by not only a very young Latina mother, but I was also raised with my old school grandparents. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like, I remember when I had my first date, I was praying. I literally started crying at the thought of just even how do I even get there? Do I walk? Do I have to like? How? Did you do it behind their back? Let's be honest. So the first one I did, okay, but only my mother knew because she was the one who was open enough to it. But I think now that I'm 21 and I'm in college. And that's very much an atmosphere where they're expecting me to go on a date. For this example, for any young Latinas or Latina out there, if you're trying to do something as simple as go on your first date or a date or any type of activity that you feel is right for your age, I think not only is having the right intention going into the conversation with your family member, but having the right boundaries you want to set. You're not going to go in expecting that they're going to say yes to whatever you want because mm -hmm. you have to be realistic with your culture. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to deciding what you're gonna be doing, like say, I wanna go to the movies, I'll go up to my mom and my grandparents and my two uncles and two aunts and kind of lay down what's going on. Damn, I girl, you have to go through that whole chain of command? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. That's actually relatable. I get it. Like right? my, my mom used to be the one that was open to it. We couldn't tell my dad at the time. Dad, sorry, dad, you know the situation now. I mean, she's married, has kids at this point. But um, my sister used to have to take me along with her. Do you understand how mad and upset and embarrassed that used to be? Like, it was embarrassing. You're taking your sister with you. But guess who ended up having the cool things to do? This one. But still, my, you know, I would have to tell on my sister, although my sister would threaten my life. But yeah. Almost definitely. Like, I remember I told my mom, I was like, Mom, so um, it, it'll only be for like an hour, but I want to go on a date with this boy. 
And I, at first I had to deal with at least an hour and a half of, oh my gosh, my baby's grown up. And she was very excited because she's from the younger generation. But when it came time to my older generation of family, I had to not only explain to them that the way I would manufacture this date is not me bringing home a man who I'm going to marry because that was what was expected of me, but just have the open communication and the calmness to keep that conversation going before it ends with worry and frustration is just keep it going and saying, you know what, this is what I'd like to do. What do you guys think? But, always, but you would advise always communicate, never do anything and hold it in to yourself because you never know what's going to happen kind of thing. Most definitely. And best case scenario, everything goes well. But worst case scenario, say something happens on the day or you have a horrible day. It's better to have your family know where you are and make sure that you are safe to prioritize that. Yes, ma'am. Mentally safe. Say you have a bad day or maybe the person is just rude to you. You need a confidant or somebody that can entrust not only that experience, where you're going to be at, but what you're going to do moving forward, especially mm -hmm. if you have a family that's close in culture to dating multiple people to find out what you like or what you're looking for in a significant other. Having that person, just as Kenny said, you need somebody to be a good foundation for you to base your ideas, opinions, and questions on. Very well said, Come Isabella. Through, Isabella. Right. Ooh. Veronica, what about you? You've had you've you know, you freely discussed at the beginning of the conversation with all the challenges that you've had. And there's not just one or two. I mean, several challenges. How did you overcome those challenges? You know, did you have the one person? Are you still going through challenges right now? Do you feel after effects from what you went through? Are you still dealing with anything right now? Um, so for me, my upbringing is also very different. I wasn't having those conversations with my parents. I was not creating boundaries. I didn't even know what boundaries were. I was, I was very rebellious. So I always like was challenging my parents. I was always <laughs> doing what I was not supposed to do. So that's why I advocate. I know that, you know, obviously I always felt like, you know, parents was definitely did not want me around their child. Cause I was telling them like, go ahead to you girl, <laughs> you know? Oh man. So yeah, you were the like, person that, uh, who were all saying we need that one person. You were the bad one. <laughs> I wasn't intentionally trying to be, um, you know, I like even the question you posed to Isabella and how she would advise someone if they needed someone, like I'm the person, whereas like, you're not going to know until you do it. And sometimes it takes for like those experiences to happen, to actually teach, uh, um, to act as a learning moment for our parents and what they could or could not have done, or it would open up the conversation. So for me, because I was so rebellious, because I was always doing the opposite of what my parents wanted me to do, that they finally had that aha moment when I started like really achieving what they thought, you know, was intangible. I was actually making it be known like, you know what, this might not be something that everybody else agrees with or everyone else supports. But if I had the support of my parents who that's all that matters, and I'm happy and I'm able to create a life for myself and give it meaning. And you guys are not making me do anything. I'm doing it because I actually genuinely care about this stuff. They were kind of able to see like, wow, like, you know, even though you were, you were something else, but you know, we see the beauty in your experiences in your mistakes. Cause now I'm, I'm able to, you know, minister to the youth. Like I, they can see themselves in me. I'm, you know, I'm able to kind of speak from that perspective of, of embracing those mistakes and really like leaning into the, um, the, the shadow work, the dark parts of ourselves. I'm that we so don't really... glad that you brought that up because <laughs> a lot of people, you know, that are watching and, and I, I can attest to this in my own personal experience. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes, sometimes we mess up. All the up. time. All you the know? time. It's, you it's can't gonna that. It's going to happen. But what you said is you've learned from those experiences and that you are basically paying it forward. Now you know that you can advise somebody and which which direction to actually go from here, what not yes. to do. And, yes. and, and I think that's key. Dr. Lauren, do you agree that that's key for anybody who's watching that feels like, oh, you know what? I mentally just can't deal with this anymore. I totally screwed up. I, I'm not good on this earth anymore. 
how would you advise somebody to please understand that we are human, we will make a mistake and we can change our life? How would you advise somebody to go about that and switch their frame of mind and their, their thoughts immediately without, if they don't have a person? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think keeping in mind the, the fact that we give ourselves too much credit a lot of times, like we think that we are just invincible and that we should, that we're, we're so, we're, you, we are unique, like everybody's special, everybody's unique, but we are all more alike than we think we are in the sense that we are going to make mistakes, things are inevitable. There are a lot of things you don't know, like just like Veronica said, you don't know things until you try it. You kind of have to really test yourself, test the waters. So on some level, you gotta just be prepared for knowing that things are gonna happen. And it's part of that is the part of the journey. It's the growth and it's not you making just these terrible choices, it's this is how you learn what not to do moving forward. So it's helpful to have at least somebody like we were saying in your life, um, that you can bounce some of those ideas off of, right? Or somebody who can support you in your mistakes. But like you put to your point, if you don't have someone in your life, just keeping in mind and knowing that we all make mistakes or we all do things and we try things. And so when you do something that you consider a mistake, you don't have to see it as this is the end of the world. You can see it as this is something that's teaching me how to move forward. Well said. Kenny, I know you've been through so much and you have overcome so much and you're quite the inspiration, sir. Um, some people probably wouldn't see that in you because they see that you're a funny man. So how would yeah. you say that comedy <laughs> smiles? How would you say that's helped you in your mental health? And how would you advise somebody to turn their frown upside down, if you will? Well, growing up, like before my mom passed, me, her, and my two brothers, we would just sit in the den because that's all we had was us, you know, and we would bag on each other and make each other crack up laughing. My friends used to come over and because we was the funny house. We was mm. the funny house. And I used to get so upset because y'all going to laugh because my mama used to, she could cook good, but all the kids used to come over there eating up all the food, you know what I mean? And I, and my mom eat that. Said, That's all we have. Why are you sharing yeah. with them? Yeah. And my mama said, "Let me tell you something, boy. Everybody ain't got it good. You know what I mean? You're gonna have to learn how to share." But I said, "They need to learn how to share, how to uh, wash some of these dishes and put out the garbage too." You know? <laughs> he said, "Everybody don't have it good. When you realize this, then you will become a better person." You know? And so that's when I wind up being an altar boy, and. Down south, you know, they was always saying, you know, you can't really mingle with the whites. You know what I mean? But in in church, that's all it was was the, you know, white nuns, priests, and all that. But these nuns put me underneath their arm, and every time they had like a play or something, they pushed Kenny forward. Kenny Aww. was shy, scared. My mama said, "Oh Lord," you know, she put her <laughs> hand over her mouth, and and I do the play, and she go, she looked, she said. Are you sure you my son? <laughs> you know, Aww. so that that you know, I knew that meant she was happy. But God give everybody a certain talent in this. That one person can make you realize what that talent is. You know, you got people going to school and getting degrees, and they're not even in that field. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They wind up doing something else they hard then directed them to. You know, but you gotta always believe in you. No matter what you go through, you gonna have people hating you. Like even on social media right now, they got people talking about me. They can't stand me. But you? when, I, yeah, they you? can't stand me. You I don't go think right they, I don't think they know you, Kenny. I met you today, and I want to hug you, not just because you are in paradise over there, but I want to give a tight squeeze because I got to know you. So for everybody who's doing a social media bullying scenario that happens these days, you need to get to know Kenny. And I'm gonna put something out there. I'm gonna put something on Instagram and Twitter about Kenny. <laughs> And I, and I just use reverse psychology. I go and send them a message. I say, hey, let me tell you something, bro. You really letting God down because all the gifts and talent he gave you, this is the only way you can repay him by saying his negative stuff. And I got these T-shirts I wear that say, can he do it? <laughs> this guy, his ego. I am so sorry. I'll make it up to you. This dude went and bought 20 T-shirts. I'm like, well, oh, that's I good. No <laughs> yeah, that's but good. I wouldn't have bought no 20 T-shirts. But you just have to believe in yourself. You're gonna always run into problems, and that one person, um, 
couple of people that can help you get through it because everybody learning every day. Every day we go through something and we might not know the answer where we have to reach out to somebody else, you know? And I usually stayed to myself for a while, but that uncle, he, he bought it out to me. It, it won't, you know, you won't be ashamed of yourself for asking for help or help, you know, somebody to help you understand the situation. I think it'll only make you a stronger person when, when you're coming down the line and running to something else that would try to discourage you from being you, you know? That was very well said. Kenny, thank you so much for sharing all of that, everything about you. You just, you've inspired me. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of choked up a little bit. Like you just are an inspiration and I am so glad that- The power um, of a smile. I'm telling you, the power of a smile. You can see a person just walking down the street, just say hi and smile at them. You're going to confuse them because people don't really care about each other no more like this. But so that true. person there, that person going to go all the way to work like, you know, why did he say, you know, Oh, believe me, I talk to everybody. I'm the one who's always like, girl, <laughs> yes, outfit. And they'll be like, oh, thanks. Like, I'll be walking into the grocery store. Okay, nails. They'll be like, all right, you know. And by That's the way, that's a beautiful say, gift. Can I ask, add something to that? Just but to your, your point, Kitty, and to your, what you're saying, Dina. Humor, laughter, joy is such an important part of healing and i and to your what you asked me nina earlier about what do you tell somebody who's like going through a hard time especially and maybe they don't have someone else with there with them to support them honestly i think a lot of times when, especially when you're down or you have a lot of things going on you don't feel like you're worth having anything to be happy about or you know you feel almost like i shouldn't be excited or happy about things because i got all this other stuff going on we're not understanding that laughter and humor are healing and so if you can find things to be joyful about if you can find something to be happy about at least one thing daily even if you have tons of other things going on that can keep you invested in life uh, which can be mm -hmm. so helpful when you're feeling very depressed or down especially if you don't have other people to kind of talk to Thank you for sharing that. Yep. That's great advice. Well, you know what? Let's just take that lead and, and end it on that note. Since Kenny um, shared with us what he suggests that we can do to feel better, if you will. And Dr. Lauren just gave us that. Uh, Veronica, what would you give uh, um, some piece of advice with mental health from based off of your experience and your background? Um, well, first of all, thank you, Dr. Lauren, because uh, you spoke to my spirit. Mm. Um, why is that what did what, why did that affect you the way it did um i think that like you know when you're trying to build community and you create space you become the face and like you forget the things that keep you centered and like you know i'm at, at your core and um i'm you know i'm based in new york but i'm I'm in California visiting my parents. This was like very much needed uh, downtime. Mm. So it was just like, kind of like take, you know, there's so many things that I'm working on and then like, I still, you know, have not to reach, but like also taking a moment to just like really be present and celebrate now, like celebrate all like the things that are happening. And I know a lot of people look at me and like all these great things are happening. And I don't even, sometimes like I don't sit to acknowledge those things myself because I'm like on to the next one, on to, you know? And um, so I, I appreciate that, Dr. Lauren. And, um, you know, to what you're saying, Nina, I would definitely recommend for people, because um, it's, it's also like, I'm trying to build the space and be the person that I needed when I was younger. So like, I'm still trying to really learn like what my process is and like opening up and finding that person and you know um like not being afraid to be vulnerable even though i'm always creating spaces of vulnerability for other people i'm always the person that people come and talk to or you know and so i i, I just i really want to encourage that because sometimes like you really do need to check on your strong friends girl um, i just <laughs> said that yesterday because we're the ones who have to take it in from other people it's because we love to help others i think you and i have the same kind of spirit um because we love to help others that means that we're we've taken on their problems in order that they've trusted us with them so yeah. they've trusted us to be the one in their life as kenny and dr lauren were saying that everybody needs one they've trusted us to be able to help them through it and i've had some really serious 
things happen with those people that have trusted me this week where I haven't been able to sleep in the past three days, uh, having to help them. And so while you're saying to check on your strong friends, I realize that I'm always reaching out to my friends and I'm always asking how are all of you doing because I know about what's going on with you, with you, with you, with you, and I'm checking on you. But while they answer those questions, it hit me yesterday that they're not responding with, and how are you? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. Because we're the ones who help them. So nobody's really asking us. Not that I'm saying exactly. like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, forget all of you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that hit when you said that, Veronica, it's true. Ask even your strong friends that are there for you to help you. The funny ones, the ones that are always cheerful, the ones with the smile on their face, because they're dealing with a lot as well. And they're mm -hmm. helping you with their heart and their advice, but they're taking in your issues. They're taking yes. in that. And, and yes. then it's not a bad thing that we're taking that in. We want to help, but do check on your friends. That I, yes. you, That's key, Veronica. I love that you yes. said that. And by the way, mm -hmm. you getting tearful and saying that you're still learning, that says a lot because you're saying that you're a, men, uh, a mentor to others and that you feel good about that to the youth. And the pain that you're feeling is more of, it's a release of thank you for telling me to be present. I'm on the right journey. Yeah. I'm on the right I'm, path. I'm also still a student, you know, I'm still a student of life. I'm still learning and I'm not fully there yet, but I know that the, the formula is in my journey. Right. So like, as I'm, I'm like learning how to build a, the, the plane while I'm flying it. And for my generation, that's a lot of, of, of us are doing that. Um, and so, yeah, but thank you, Dr. Lauren. And like, thank you, Nina. Like, I think, you know, in these spaces, I find healing, you know, in trying to heal other people, I find the healing within myself. So that really resonated. Thanks, Thank you Nina. for being transparent with everything as well. <laughs> Isabella, everybody has given us what they've felt, what they've gotten from this conversation. They've shared a lot, as have you, and we thank you. What advice would you give? What touched you? What, what did you resonate with? I think just what Veronica was just not only visibly going through, but sharing, as you said, transparently with us, just like, like as she said, I'm a student of life. And I think just people having the willingness to learn even the things that they don't even know might be coming their way. Because as you said, you went through something this past week, which I hope is getting better. But- Oh, thank you, know well, hopefully it will. Yeah, we don't know when life is gonna hit us. And sometimes it hits at all corners on all subjects at all times. And we don't know what to do with all that information that comes at us. So I think taking that time, whether it's for yourself or for people around you, if you have to be that strong person, or maybe you have a strong person for you, maybe you just got you. I think just willingness and being open to being a student of life is going to be something that will take you farther than just closing yourself off. Well said. And it's true. Everybody, we all got something out of this conversation today. And to be honest, I know I just met you guys before we started this virtual town hall for BIPOC communities with Providence and with Dash. And I feel like I just met four people that I would look forward to communicating with from this day forward. And if either one of you ever need anything, I would love to be your person if you would like to reach out um, one of hey. them on your list. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for your time. Dr. Lauren, thank you, Isabella. Thank you, thank Veronica. You. Thank you, Kenny. Um, and thank you again to Providence for even raising awareness on this conversation. Um, and we will definitely make sure that we still stay in contact. And we've gotten so much out of this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone.